That is our intro. Welcome to the CubeCast Podcast, now with proper equipment. I'm Wafo. Today is February 13th, 2015, and I'm joined by Brandon. Hello. Wow. What was that about? Yeah, we got these cool mics. Thanks (laughs) so much to thecubicle.us. We got these cool mics, but more on that later. So, Wafo, what have we got planned for this episode? Well, first of all, we're planning to be missing Mitch. So, that's that's unfortunate for him. Yeah, whatever. He'll be on next time. Yeah, he could talk about his uh, time off from recording and what uh, good time he's having not recording. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) I don't think recording is that bad. Recording is fun. It's amazing. It is fun. It's it's really fun. Yeah. But yeah, we'll have Mitch on definitely the next time with our (laughs) next guest, who we're not going to say until the end of the episode. Keep listening, guys. Yes, definitely keep listening. So what else do we have planned? All right, uh, this episode will mostly be about blind solving in the community. Uh, We plan on talking about the recent WCA banning of a Polish delegate and a world record holder in regard to blind, as well as some issues with blind cube orientation. And of course, we're going to be doing most of this with our guest, who is a blindfold fashionista, Noah Arthurs. All right, so a bit of news about what we're doing. TheCubicle.us, as I said earlier, has sponsored us, got Mitch and me these cool blue snowball mics. I think mine's Snowball, if you know what I mean. Uh, we also get to do the puzzler. We're starting that up again this episode. At the end of this episode, we'll have the puzzler. Uh, we'll have information about that. Uh, it's going to be posted on our website, cubecast.cubing.net. So be sure to check there. And if you happen to submit the puzzler, uh, the correct answer to the puzzler, first, you'll get a $5 gift card from TheCubicle.us and based on what you guys are interested in doing we could have a discount code on the at the cubicle possible t-shirts but for right now we just want to get these episodes out there we want to get a bit more exposure before um those endeavors you know yeah <laughs> because everything we do is going to be based on audience interest so you know we gotta need we need feedback from you guys before we start out getting these uh cool stuff out for you guys yeah, we really appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten from the first episode and from episode zero. It's really helped shape how we're going to uh, move forward with the CubeCast. Yeah, and ter- uh, speaking of uh, audience and stuff like that, we got listener taglines. So we got a few really, really funny taglines, but they weren't really safe for work. So we'd like to get more safe for work taglines out there. If you don't know what like the listener taglines are, if you go on our website, you'll see that our taglines change every single time you reload a page. And we'll pretty much post them if we think they're funny so send those in keep them safe for work think of the children yeah so in regular news with continental national records there were no world records this time around but we have so many of these because the first time we tried recording this was a little over two weeks ago and we've, we've got just so many things to cover first is the frankfurt cube days in frankfurt germany now bennett wichmann got a two by two european record average of 1.77 uh, in 3 by 3 Cornelius Diekmann got a 6.26 national record single for Germany, as well as a 7.53 national record average for 3 by 3 Good Lord. 
And in 5x5, Lucas Vesha got a 59.06 national record single for Germany as well. So German Cuber is insanely fast. And Corny, fantastic fantasy pick. Oh, yeah. It's a good thing we had him. We had him on our, on our team. Yeah. That was a really good pick. Yeah, I was talking to Rob Yao and uh, Pi McNeil because they're, they're on a team. They're ranked a, bit, a little bit above us uh, right now. But they didn't pick Corny. Cubecast has its own we have our own fantasy team, if you haven't noticed. I think we're ranked 8th place or something right now. 8th or 12th, I forget. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're we're doing pretty well, I think. And wh- whenever we get to switch out the two competitors, that'd be that's going to be just really awesome. Uh, but yeah, Corny, nobody saw that coming. I remember Rob was like, yeah, was, uh, let's not pick him. And then as soon as Corny gets to... I I, sh- I think I shot. I I'm not. I don't remember which of the two I sent the message to, but one of them I sent. Ha, corny er, all these fantasy <laughs> points, and they're like screw you. And I was like yeah, yes. I was that's, so happy. That's like it's two nrs, so like that's even more fantasy points. Exactly. So it's great. It's so good. It feels so great to have those fantasy points just rolling in. Yeah, not to mention just um, winning the competition in general. It, oh it, yeah. It just all the points just start trickling in and. <laughs> not, not really trickling, more like downpour, <laughs> like oh, <yeah>. torrential downpour. <laughs> uh, all right, so the next competition we have on the list is uh, PB Smash Talk 2015 in uh, Delhi, India. We had uh, in Paramix Round 1, uh, Shivam Bansal with a 4.24 national record average for Paramix. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Let's see, what else we got here? On uh, Speed Cubing Mumbai Unlimited 2015 and Mumbai, India, in the 3x3 semifinals, we had Kavinyal Talukdar, 8.9 uh, second 3x3 average. That is impressive because that's the first, <laughs> first sub-9, India's first sub-9. So that's really, really great. Yeah, I remember going into the first Speed Cubing Mumbai Unlimited, I, I was talking to Akshay Rao, who kind of organized all of that and he was like yeah there's not much going on really in india with cubing and um now it's got it's grown so much this is their fifth one and it it gets it gets more fun for everyone every year it's really awesome to see india growing the indian speaking community really growing and excelling and uh, I'm sitting up here like thinking 8.9 average. I just need a sub 10 single. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you and me both. You and me both. And speaking of uh, growing communities, we also have uh, Mazate Open 2015. Mazate Open 2015 was in Guatemala. It's an 11 person competition. Uh, but Guatemala has, it was their seventh competition and they already have had another one since then. Uh, but they, they started holding frequent competitions. I think like once monthly about since August and the largest competition had about 100 competitors, which is pretty cool. But this one is only 11 people. And in the 5 of 5 final, Adrian Ramirez got a 159.98 national record single for 5 by 5 So that's pretty cool because 5 by 5 has now gone sub-2 in Guatemala. And it can only get faster from there. Uh, many props to Adrian Ramirez for, uh, and to really all of Guatemala for having all these competitions in a place that really didn't have them. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, all right, we got uh, our first Poland competition of the year, the Riviera Cube Week 2015. With uh, we got uh, ER for three by three feet in uh, round one by Jakub Kipa. That was that. It's uh, with a 31.26. Like we talked about these places where competitions weren't held all too much, but now holding them all the time. And then Poland, 
who it seemed in 2014 held competitions all the time. Kit Cummins said every time that he goes to use the restroom pool, <laughs> would have a competition. Uh, I'm, I'm just really impressed that uh, Kit could hold it in for so long in, in anticipation for <laughs> Riviera Cube Week. It's just amazing. So congrats to Kit, congrats to Jakub Kipa, congrats to Poland for having their first competition of the year uh, being a success. Um, now, another successful competition, very successful and very noteworthy, would be the Pre Mundial in Sao Paulo, Brazil. It was kind of supposed to be a warm-up for Worlds. It's at the same Worlds venue and all of that. But eight South American records were broken. First of which was from uh, Pedro Henrique de Silva Roque with a 33.19 4x4 average and 28.11 single. In 5x5, still Pedro Henrique de Silva Roque with 108.24 5x5 average. And for 6x6 from the same guy, Pedro Henrique de Silva Roque, 215.79 South American record single for 6x6 and a 2 minute 29.28 6x6 mean of 3 South American record. Then there was Gustavo Maisonave Frank, I suppose, uh, with 7x7 South American record single and, uh, and mean of 3, with the single being 3 minute 22.26. Uh, the mean of 3 being 3 minute 33.99. And then lastly, we have. Joao Pedro Batista Ribeiro Costa with a 23 move FMC single South American record. Eight South American records at one that competition. That is impressive. And, that is impressive. And not only that, not, not only that, it's like the record, the times themselves, and no, the results overall, because you know FMC, the results themselves are impressive on their own, like no matter where they're from. It's just, uh, it's fantastic. Congrats to all the, all, all the Brazilians, because that, Worlds is going to be held there oh, now. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's a good chance for the community to actually show off, like, hey, we, we're pretty getting pretty good, you know? You should pay attention to some people down there. Yeah. And we, it's really well-deserved. Oh, yeah. The, now they're really on the map. It's fantastic. Yeah. And now that Worlds is going to be there, they're going to be really, really on the map. So it's great. It's just, it's really great. Speaking of on the map, we have Lifestyle Season Summer 2015 with Felix Zemdegs, who's that guy, with a 23.88 Oceanic record, 4x4 single, and Pi McNeil with a 3.67 Oceanic record, Pyraminx average. Now that's just... That's, that's just amazing. <laughs> it's, all, it's all right. It's all right. And it's what all I, mean, right. I mean, like, it's... Like, we... Like... I, I don't really know Pi McNeil for Pyraminx all too much. Yeah. It's, I know him for, like, Skew and 2x2. Two two. Yeah, Skew and 2x2. Two two, that's basically... And then, and then Felix, 23. Come on, man. You can do faster than that. We, <laughs> we know we know you. We, 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 you. we sort of know you. Kind no, of. Yeah, but congrats <laughs> to both of them for for their accomplishments there at Lifestyle Seasons. Also raking in all those wonderful fantasy points. Oh, yes. <laughs> fantasy. Just, Oh, and then Pedro Henrique de Silva Roque, like with five South American records, <laughs> just right there, just raking in all those fantasy points. Our fantasy team, we're, is, we're just showering in uh, it, fantasy points. Our right fantasy there. points. Our fantasy team this year is baller, and yeah, I, I can't, I can't wait until we get to switch. Um, you want to take the next competition? Oh yeah, sure. At Michigan Cubing Alpha 2015 in Michigan, we had Arami Spaghetti with a 3.49 NARS cube average. Yeah, that's about three fifty. Free fitty, indeed. It's yeah. skewed though, so yeah. Like, <laughs> Congrats on doing sludge fast, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because the like, skews become such a broken event. Like it, it, it was great at the start, logistically, I would say. Yeah, well, and then February came along, and single single just wasn't worth anything anymore. And then we came a long way, and now 
average is just getting tougher and tougher and tougher to beat. Yeah. But at yeah. least it's being beaten by people who really honestly deserve it for with uh, Pi McNeil and Cosco and all those really, really, really fast people just <laughs> trying to get sub three, which is mind boggling. I, I have no no idea. It's how like, it it's like the new two by two, man. It's totally the new two by two. It's like it's well, I think it's more like just a step behind Pyraminx right now. Yeah. Just like half a step behind Pyraminx. Um, yeah. but it's amazing to see <laughs> major props to Sarah Strong for developing a method that is honestly so it, it's just so great and how simple and effective it is it's just it, it's amazing and I know people like Pi McNeil have learned so many actual algorithms to solve cases that they'd come across it's just I don't know it's beyond me like I'm just sitting over here like I don't know what, I, what I'm doing half the time <laughs> yeah yeah so the next competition is the new AVG Open 2015 in Lima, Peru. And we have Jean-Alexander Taboada Tempo with a 3.90 South American record Skube average, which is amazing still. It just, Skube's getting way too fast. And then Juan Pablo Juanqui with a 7.04 South American record 3x3 single. 704 3x3 single in South America. Like... <laughs> Oh man! You remember seven point oh eight? Yeah, seven point oh eight was such a great record, man. Seven oh eight, it stood forever. Well, not forever, because you know Felix, but it stood for so long. That's what it was when I was started cubing. It, it I think it's a real testament to how much uh, the South American cubing community has grown over the years. Having a seven oh four three by three single and all those, uh, the, the we we had in the, in the time since the last since the last episode, we've had. 10 South American records? Good lord, that's amazing. Well, that ma- ma- crazy. major props to South America overall oh, yeah. for just being awesome and getting great at so many things and ha- have a great time showing everybody how awesome you are at Worlds. And the last competition, you want to take this one, Wafo? Yeah, sure. Uh, Winter Cube Anniversary 2015 in Korea by uh, Doyoung Kim with a 2.9 ASR and Pyramix Average. 2.9, 2.9. Good <laughs> That's crazy. <Lord. laughs> I just, I, I feel like the the uh, puzzle itself is one of those things that it's easy enough, but it's hard to get fast at. You know, yeah. It's easy to get fast at. For me, the hardest part of pyramids is like turning. Yeah, as someone who doesn't own a pyramid currently and never learned a method to solving one. Watching it is just absolutely mesmerizing. It's it's one of the coolest things, and it happens all so quickly. I just I don't get it. Like I was t- I was with Otter at Worlds, and we were just doing some scoop. St- uh, I was doing scoop stuff. And he's like, "How the hell do you turn so fast?" And he was doing pyro stuff. I'm like, "How the hell do you turn so fast?" And it was it was just amazing <laughs> overall. So congratulations to all the continental and national record holders. Oh, the new the new record holders. And uh, now we're going to take a quick commercial break. We have special guest Noah Arthur is after the break to talk about blindfolded cubing, the controversial Zalewski-Kunski case, cubing world, fantasy cubing, much, much more. So stay tuned. The CubeCast podcast has been brought to you by TheCubicle.us, trusted by speed cubers and puzzlers worldwide. And we're back. 
joining us now, Cubing World creator, organizer of Fantasy Cubing, known for his delicious blind skills, Noah Arthurs. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, Again. for sure. <laughs> Again, Again, for the second time. Oh, yep. Definitely. Wait, are you referring to like last week or when I was on the podcast like last year? Uh, Both. Let's just say both. Okay. Porque no, that's close, that's guys. fair. Double, it's a double entendre. So, Noah, what got you interested in cubing in the first place? Well, oh, geez, that's that's a long story. That's going way back in the time traveling. Um, basically, I will, <laughs> I have the most boring story imaginable, which is that I knew how to solve a cube, and then I watched, like, a video of people solving cubes fast, and I was like, I could do that, maybe. And I looked into it, and it was fun. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That was that was very enlightening, like, Noah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so I know. Like, yeah. I, I have the most ordinary story imaginable, probably. <laughs> in um, comparison to everyone else. No, I just I think that that's a, it's common. Like it, that's yeah. just like a common thing that happens. Is oh, like you, yeah, completely. Someone like stumbles across a YouTube video and then they're like, "Yeah, that looks fun. Let me do that." And then they they go do it. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> I think that's what separates the the cubers from the non cubers. That the non cubers are the ones who watch the video and they say like, they say like. No, no, I could never do that. That's incredible. Or like, that's stupid. I don't want to do that. And then, um, and then that's the end of their Cuban career right there. It begins and ends in the same video. Um, but for many of us, we watch one video and then it turns into like three, four, 11 year careers of like solving cubes and talking about them. Yeah. Well, how'd you get involved with blindfolded cubing for the first time? Because uh, that's this, much different. This is an interesting story because I was on YouTube and I saw a video of someone solving a cube blindfolded, and I said I want to be able to do that, and so I started blindfolded solving. Oh, so essentially analogous as before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I lied when I said that that was an interesting story. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry to get no worries. It's, uh, it's great though. Like you got a very plain story. All my hopes, so, all my hopes and prospects for the rest of my life are now crushed. Thanks, Noah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we should like watch a video of the president or something, <laughs> and then I'll be president later. Nah. <laughs> or I'll watch a video of someone standing on one foot, and then I'll be able to stand on one foot. That's probably much That's more possible. Do. Yeah, Dude, or it's is like is that how you you just acquire all of your skills through just watching other people on YouTube? Yeah, I just kind of absorb stuff. That's maybe why. You yeah, you should, like, watch some videos about some guy, like, super genius. Not that you're a super genius now. Whoa, are you saying I'm not a super genius? No, I'm saying you are. Oh, okay. See? Cool, cool. That's actually yeah. something I really don't like, is kind of the per- the perception of, like, I'm not saying that you're propagating this, but, like, the perception of speedcubers as, like, super geniuses, it's, like, it really bothers me. Um, yeah. And I think that, like, cert- like, it's all, I blame reporters, all of them. <laughs> I don't Quite even- honestly, yeah. I think that we, like, it's really hard, but we need to work together as a community to make sure that, like, we kind of get rid of that image because it really hurts the number of people who are going to go, like, start speed cubing. I think that You Can Do the Cube campaign was a really interesting, uh, it's a really interesting campaign that wasn't really broadcast. It didn't really go as far as it was intended to go out. And I, I don't know if that's the fault of the Rubik's Company or the fault of us as a community for not really pushing that as much. I think it's just kind of everybody needs to take part in saying, this really isn't as bad as you think it is and you can you can really do this. Like I, I always tell people, I know complete just, I, I know so many dumb people who can solve Rubik's Cubes. And I'm saying dumb, obviously, relatively. Yeah, but, you know Mitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, if Mitch can solve a cube in 6.25 seconds, then you can probably solve a cube in a minute. Just straight up. 
<laughs> I, I always I always use the example. There's three year old. There's a video of a three year old that went viral because this three year old was solving a cube in like a minute, and everybody was like, "Whoa, they're so smart!" And I'm just sitting back here like, "No, they're not necessarily that smart. They just yeah. know what like they're it, doing." Like if Mitch can solve a cube in six point two five seconds, then a three year old should be able to solve it in like three and a half seconds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just I'm just ragging on Mitch because he's not here. Like if he were here, <laughs> it's okay. Probably... Nah. <laughs> if he was here, you'd probably be doing the same thing anyway. Yeah, probably actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mitch, I'm no sorry. <laughs> if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry, and I love you, and um, we should get married sometime. Okay. All right. <laughs> so Noah, uh, we said earlier that you're the coordinator of Cubing World. You're a highly relevant blindfold solver. You run Fantasy Cubing with Nathan Brema. Uh, Ooh, I don't know how relevant I am to blind solving anymore. Um, well, yeah. Well, I'm, 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 actually working, I'm actually working on getting fast again. I've been slow for the last like six months. I've been slow since Nationals pretty much, actually. The first thing we want to kind of hit on the head is the whole uh, WCA banning of Marcin Zalewski and uh, Christoph Kunchi. And this is because it's in regard to blind yeah. And this entire episode is sort of like a blind episode. Yep, yep. Um, uh, for those who don't know, uh, basically there was just some stuff about uh, blind orientation and how uh, Christoph Kunch- uh, Martin Zalewski knew what orientation his cube was going to be in. Or and uh, more specifically, or he knew that the he knew sometimes what the top center was already. And g- going into the backstory behind this, uh, Marcin Kowalczyk or Moscow, as everybody knows him. Um, had a similar investigation about his multi-blind uh, world record attempt in late 2013. Uh, and the, the verdict on that was that there's n- nothing now that uh, is really punishable because it wasn't a Moscow's fault, but uh, there will be a severe punishments the next time it happens. And since Zalewski came out and said, yeah, I knew sometimes what the top center was going to be. And coming, coming from a world-renowned blind solver, it, I think... Obviously, honest, honesty would be the best policy in that case, but I think it really it put a lot on the line for him, and now he's banned until 2016. Uh, Krzysztof Kunski was the delegate uh, who would sometimes inform, uh, according to Marcin, sometimes inform Marcin Zalewski what the uh, orientation of the cube was in, and now he's his delegate status has been revoked permanently. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there are a few things to note here. One of them is that um, it is an advantage. To, it doesn't might not seem like it, but it is an advantage to look at the cube. It shouldn't also. It also shouldn't matter the size. In my opinion, it shouldn't matter what size the advantage is. Um, if people are cheating, it's just like if you willfully cheat, then that's like it should be the same whether you like know the whole scramble beforehand or you just know what orientation the cube is going to be in. Um, because either way, you're making the event unfair. I think like. Like I think that the the thing that's like causing a lot of the arguments about this case is just the fact that like um, we don't know all the information, so it's very hard for us to like it's impossible for us to make a complete judgment when only the WCA knows all the information sort of surrounding the case. I think though that if the WCA were to withhold information, it'd be information that wasn't necessarily pertinent to show to the public. You mean you mean like stuff that like would that it wouldn't be like okay to show to the public or might like damage reputations yeah stuff like that or even just simple stuff like yeah here was the evidence that clearly shows it's like if there was something for the wsa to not show it would probably be something that would either not be important at all um or not not bring up anything new to the decision 
Uh, or it would be uh, it would be damaging the reputations and yeah. whatnot, as you were saying. Like I think that the most important part of this is that he turned himself in, and I think we can compare this to Roe Hessler's case from yeah. a few years ago, where. For those of you who don't know, he set a three-blind world record in, like, 2006-ish. And then in about 2013, he came forward and said, yeah, that when I did that, that was the same scramble I got on the previous solve. So it was, like, way easier. Um, and so what happened was they didn't ban him or anything. They just they just disqualified that that one attempt that he, at the time, felt, like, too embarrassed to, like, come forward about and it kind of weighed on him heavily for a couple of years. So, okay, so here we have two examples of people turning themselves in. One person, it's just their solve gets disqualified. The other person gets banned for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, Some people were saying that the ban wasn't long enough or that it was just as long as it needed to be. Other people feel very strongly, based on the Roe Hessler case, that the ban should have been considerably less. But... Yeah, so a few things I'd say about the differences. One is that, like, the Roe Hessler thing was a one-time cheating. With Zalewski, it, it was not only a continual cheating, not only like solve after solve after solve, but also it was something that happened after a warning was already like issued, like loud and clear about that exact thing. Another thing is like, we don't know the circumstances of him turning himself in. Like it's possible that he just decided on his own. I feel shitty about this. I'm going to come forward and say like I was cheating. It's also possible that he was pressured into it by other people and that it wasn't entirely his decision. Um, kind of like kind of like when a criminal pleads guilty in court um so i think a year like for someone who has admitted to continual cheating i think a year and a half like sounds reasonable to me the biggest problem with the system and the regulations which is completely unavoidable is that it's easy to cheat is that's really 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 easy to cheat and so we need like we just we got to punish the cheaters like we got to make people afraid to cheat like it, i think that's just it's a necessary evil yeah we got to really disincentivize even the idea of cheating at any level really uh i think the regulations do a fairly decent job at preventing cheating in many aspects but if you have a delegate who's kind of in on the yeah. action that, <laughs> i was about to say like i'm like, really more disappointed at the delegate for letting this happen yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It's just like it's unacceptable to just say, "Hey, by the way, here's the orientation" or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm sorry. I, some other like that. I totally. Agree. I mean, I like we got to be disappointed in both of them because they were both supposed to be like kind of upstanding members to the speed solving community. And I'm not saying that like this automatically makes them bad people or anything, but like I agree that like a delegate, someone whose whole job it is to make sure the rules get enforced, kind of almost catalyzing this cheating is is pretty bad. Yeah, it's unacceptable. Now, is he... So is the delegate also banned for a year and a half? It says... Uh, Krzysztof Kunski's delegate status will be permanently removed and, yes, banned until the same time. So Marcin Zalewski and Krzysztof Kunski are banned from WCA competitions until the end of June 2016. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, yeah, I, I feel no... No sympathy would be too strong of a phrase, but I feel, I feel little sympathy for someone who cheats and then gets banned it's just like like when you cheat like that's just what's gonna happen yeah um and yeah i don't i don't know do you have anything yeah that other, other points to bring up about this well also regarding the blind orientation thing uh there was a post on the speed solving forums by irn juggle 28 regarding um uh, 
the, our current system for having a completely random blind orientation. So the yeah. current system, uh, the current system adds the extra step, as argued by Iron Juggle Twenty Eight, of orienting the cube before you have to memorize it. And Iron Juggle Twenty Eight thought that this was not a, not a necessary step in just memorizing and solving the cube blindfolded. Uh, and then another argument was having judges and scramblers leave the cube in scrambling orientation uh, or the cuber's preferred orientation adequately gets rid of the cube orientation phase. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? So, okay, so, like, on the one hand... Okay, so there's one argument where, like, that's really impractical and we could never, like, effectively enforce that without seriously slowing down, like, efficiency at competitions. Um, and... Also, it's very hard to guarantee that a cube ends up in a certain orientation, especially when it's hidden under a box. Like you're just, there are just gonna be lots of mistakes. But that, like in my opinion, that argument doesn't even matter because it's unfair to it's it's just inherently unfair to like give people the cube in the orientation that they want because it's not method neutral. Like I feel, yeah. I believe strongly that the WCA has to re- maintain method neutrality. Oh yeah, and definitely. If, if you give people the orientation that they want, then they're not accommodating people who don't have a fixed orientation in their blindfolded solves. Um, and that's, you know, I, I don't think that that's acceptable. It's like, okay, even if there are zero people even if there are literally zero people who um, who don't have a fixed orientation in blindfolded, like just the fact that someone like that could exist means that it's not a fair regulation. Yeah, definitely. And I'm thinking, as it applies to four by four blindfolded, it's just it's literally impossible to do. Yeah. So th- th- there's absolutely no way that any any regulation like that could possibly gain any traction. I, I, I it's just not not feasible at all and a lot of the posts in the thread especially by eric Ackersdyke, uh saying things very similar to you about method neutrality um cube orientation during blindfolded is a choice it's not um it's definitely not necessary because you could pick up a cube in any orientation and go about memorizing it Uh, but as you were saying even if there are literally zero people who do that the fact that it could still possibly come up makes it inherently unfair i think i think random orientation has got to be the way to go i don't think like i don't think there's another option yeah can well can you think of a better way that t noodle uh could provide a random orientation uh in addition to the way it does now or as an alternative to the way it does now i don't like okay so i guess there's a there's kind of another question which i i think you're trying to hint at here um which is that uh which is that should everyone get the exact same orientation, or should the orientation be random? Oh, oh because... I think it should be random, definitely. No, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I didn't explain myself very well there. Oh, what okay. I mean is, like, okay, so T-Noodle gives you a scramble, and the last few turns are wide turns in order to randomize the orientation, right? Yes. The question is, do you, like, let's say, like, you end up with, I don't know, uh, orange on top, yellow in front after, at the end of that. Should when you have a scramble like that, should everyone get orange on top, yellow in front, or does it not matter? Right now, according to the regulations, it doesn't matter. That as long as you... At, that's just a way of creating arbitrary orientation. I think that's the, terms, the term that they use, yeah. where, okay, the scramble ends orange on top, yellow in front, but like some people might get orange on top, yellow in front, others might get orange on top, green in front, just in the process of carrying the cube from the table to the... To the um, from the scrambling table to the solving table. I think, like, personally, I'm fine with, like, 
with like people getting different orientations. I think that's just like that's just like part of the solve. Oh yeah, just... yeah, it happens in literally every other speed solving event because you yeah. think if you're taking your three by three to the to the station, you have no idea what orientation it's in. It's it's completely arbitrary in the same way that blind is, except that it's not made to be random by the scrambling program. Uh, and I feel very strongly that to try uh, again going along with having everything in a particular orientation that it's just completely unfeasible and uh, the only difference as opposed to having it in a, in a the solver's orientation or having it in scrambling orientation is that most people if it most people if if such a thing were to exist most people wouldn't even know what the, what the scrambling orientation is supposed to be except for the scramblers so there would be no way to enforce that everybody gets the same gets the same orientation to start off every attempt. Yep. Yeah. So. I think and I think if there were that might be like very very slightly more fair, but I don't think it like I don't think it makes a difference. Yeah. Like, I think it's negligible as well. Oh yeah, sure. Uh in regards to blind, uh Maskov actually just released a, a 32 out of 32 multi-blind that he did. And basically each cube was around like 114, which is pretty damn impressive if you ask me. But um, uh-huh. do, do you really think it can go any further than this? Like, do you think sub one is like possible for a really, really big uh, number of cubes for a multi-blind? Why not? Why not? Right? Yeah. I, I feel I like Maskov would be the first person to be to get like sub one on like per like cube. Pe- on a 32, like people 32. just keep people just keep getting faster, or Maskov just keeps getting faster. I mean, like. Like, I don't think we should assign limits to stuff that every time people assign limits, they're wrong oh, yeah. every single time. Oh, yeah. There's not been there's not been one time where someone's been like, this is the limit for this. And then it turned out that no one ever like exceeded that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't, like I don't think 60 cubes in an hour is impossible. I think it, I think it'll happen. I don't think I'll be the one to do it because I don't want to. But you, <laughs> you don't want like, to <laughs> like literally no literally what mascot has proven is that if you want to do it then you can right he wanted to practice like one multi-blind attempt a day or some ridiculous number like that maybe even two or three a day and yeah and now he's really good at it like there's no like th- there's no coincidence there yeah. you know what i mean he decided i want to be really good at multi-blind he practiced a ton maybe he has some natural ability for it he probably does but like really Really, what it's all about is just like you know wanting, like wanting, wanting it. And he's the, he was he's the only one who really who really wanted it that badly for multi blind. And if he still wants it and he still practices, yeah, he'll get there. Definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point you make about no previous limit that anybody has come up with for anything has ever been right, well, except for you know like Sub Zero, um, obviously. Yeah, that'll <laughs> that, never. That's happen. that's like physically impossible, but. I think that just goes to show how much cubing has really progressed over the years. Would any of us have thought that, or Wafo especially, would you have ever thought that the 3x3 world record could be 555? No. <laughs> I was like, I I kind of just grew up with the community, kind of stuck around at 708 for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, me too. And then <laughs> Felix comes along it's just, and it, everybody else just yeah. keeps getting faster. It seems like uh, it seems like all those plateaus just finally drop off after after so much time, and then everybody follows suit. I don't know what it is. Didn't yeah. Felix get like a sub six average? Of yeah, he got five ninety nine. Yeah, uh, five ninety two, five ninety nine. I forget average of twelve. It's a five ninety nine because he he recently switched uh, cubes. 
it was like, I really like this Gans puzzle. Oh, man. That is... Yeah. Make sure you can get the Gans puzzle on the cubicle that US, shameless plug. <laughs> it's totally worth it, though. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> yesterday, or I think it believe, maybe it, was, it might have been two days ago, there was a, a thread on the speed-solving forum called the SD corner three cycle method for blindfolded solving. Did you have a chance to see this, Noah? No, I All right, did not. so the idea is, it's meant as a variation of turbo for corners, and the idea is that, um, so you'll start, obviously, you'll learn outs that will cycle your buffer piece, let's just assume it's UBL for um, j- just for the example, and then you want to shoot UBL to the corner that's on the exact opposite end of the cube from that, so in this case that would be DFR. And then that sounds like old Pac-Man. And then you would shoot to... Um, but you'd not only just shoot there, you'd also shoot to... So the third corner would be uh, diagonal, on a face diagonal to that corner. So you'd learn all those algs. So the example that was brought up was you would shoot from UBR to... Sorry, UBL to either DFR, FRD, or RDF, and then shoot to BDL... Or one of those, oh, okay. what, what, like one of the orientations there. So it's just it's just old Pacman with shorter algorithms, well, it, right? No, it's is not even old Pacman. They came up with algorithms that would that would solve those based on commutators, uh, and just learned all those for every case. And I, I think it's it's almost like a bridge between R two and Turbo, but also like three style. Oh, okay, yeah. This is like this is already kind of exists. Um, so when I talk, I have a three-style tutorial where I talk about um, you learn all the targets for, for like the 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 QB opposite the um, the buffer, and then that's like way fewer algorithms, but you can always set up so that one of your targets is yeah. on that QB. Um, so this is this is basically kind of an, an institutionalization of that with fewer algorithms, which is which is cool. I think like it's no, you know. Yeah, I agree. It's a good. It's a yeah, good. It's, intermediate it's no three step. style, but um, it's it, it's kind of a bridge. I thought of it kind of as a bridge between R two and Turbo. But instead of yeah. R two, would be like D two in the in the example shown. How often do you, uh, does uh, like stuff for blind come out? Anyways, like these developments, these types of new methods. <laughs> like I, I don't really pay attention all too much in blind, but just being. I think I think the problem is that there isn't really demand. There isn't really demand for intermediate blind solving methods because the understanding is that you're only using three style. So like, so like, I think people are just like it's like I think people are just happy with like M two old Pacman. I mean, if someone came out with some like e- like significantly easier way to b- get solves around a minute than like M two old Pacman, I'm sure that like I'm sure that people would go nuts over it. But well, there's poop. It, eh, you can't get. <laughs> I, I Let got, me know when you get under a minute with poop. <laughs> I got to 104. That was the closest I got. It's I, ridiculous. Point, if you can get 104 with poop, you should be getting like 30 second solves with with three style. Yeah, I was getting like one. I, I, it was. I remember it was like 25 memo and then whatever the rest of it is like 40 execution or something. That's like absurd. That. That's a, like if you would put that effort into three style, you would be like sub 40 no problem. I I really should go about learning how to do blind properly, but I have 2 weeks until Basque or I have 1 week until until Berkeley. There's no way that I'm going to 
you should go back in time and you should tell your former self instead of spending all this time working on poop, just work on three style. <laughs> Quite honestly, like I have, I like, edge comms are the easier ones for me, but the corner comms that's that's where it really just trips me up. I've tried doing solves where I would memorize with Spef's scheme and then make images on the go. And then blindfold myself and be like, okay, I know, I, re- I remember my memo, definitely. I just don't know how to relate it. Yeah, you just quite you yet. gotta you gotta work on the parts of the solve individually before you put it all together. Like, so you gotta work yeah. on spefs on its own. You gotta work on memorizing corners, memorizing edges on their own. You gotta work on executing corners, executing edges. Like, there's you gotta work on translating letters into images. You know, yeah. remembering your images for long long amounts of time. The thing about blindfold solving is that there are a lot of elements to it, and you gotta practice two different things. You gotta practice all the elements on their own, and then you have to practice putting them all together. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, that this this method's cool. It's um, it's definitely, it's definitely a good intermediate step. Like, I think, like, I'm not, I'm not as big a fan of like, really, of like trying to define an intermediate step as its own method. Because if you're like, if you're on the way from like M2 Old Pacman to three style, then you should always like, you shouldn't like settle on any one intermediate step for a long amount of time you should always be like building your your commutator repertoire and so but it's cool because like if you learn this stuff then you're actually not that far you're not that far from using like kind of a, a pseudo like three style type method yeah, definitely, yeah um, definitely i i think that i might go about learning this new method just not not only to, to just try it out and test its viability but also as a stepping stone from poop to something completely better than poop yeah, <laughs> yeah good luck with that man. Which, which is literally anything else all right so thanks noah for that awesome discussion uh and now we're going to take a second commercial break remember to send in your taglines because we'll feature them at commercial breaks too cubing is an art and like all art, it's complete bull****. And we're back. So it's about time that we uh, go into listener section. But before we do that, let's do a little little discussion, per se, about like regional competitions. Wanna All right. Take us over. Yeah. So with the announcement of new U.S. Nationals 2015, some people thought that it was too expensive. It, it was held at a, an expensive resort. It was just going to be too difficult to make it over there. For me, I know that I actually have something else going on during the summer. But I, um, before I knew that I was going to be doing that, I was a little bit concerned about the cost, but thought I could, I might be able to do it. Um, but one on one of the Facebook cubing groups, uh, um, we thought of the concept of having date synced regional competitions held around particular regions, uh, following the, su- the success or relative success of Cubing USA, not not Cubing USA, the FMC USA, where we had multiple venues in multiple parts of the of the country that were all time synced because they had to be. Um, so the thoughts on having U.S. regionals that I that I really have that I feel strongly about are having uh, having particular defined regions, um, but people could, obviously competitions are open to the public. 
you don't have to necessarily represent the USA or, or or wherever you're from. You don't necessarily have to represent the USA. You just can go to the competitions as kind of a kind of a precursor to nationals, or even on the complete opposite end of the year as nationals. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. It's just uh, as an alternative for the people who it might be difficult to get to nationals. They could ha- still have a competition of a, a large scale, uh, be able to compete in all the events that they want to, and see all these cool people from around their area in a fashion similar to U.S. nationals. What do you guys think about this? Uh, I feel like uh, uh, Basque Five coming up seems to be like the unofficial West Coast Open. <laughs> you guys have like 150 competitors signed up, right? Yeah, yeah. We closed registration not, last night. That's not that big anymore. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's like it's a it's a big amount. That's like more than uh, nationals 2009. Yeah, I was there too. <laughs> it's now it's, it's looking like it's going to be the largest competition held in California so far, and the second biggest competition so far this year. So really, uh, scared but excited for that because you know. It's a thing, and it's going to be yeah. crazy. Uh, Noah, what are your thoughts on on regional competitions? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good idea. I think they shouldn't be anywhere near the same time as nationals. Like six months apart would be cool, I think, because like you don't want to make people choose between going to their regional competition and going to nationals because they'll like they'll either choose nationals for the prestige or regional competition for like money reasons, but. Like, I think if it's six months apart, then what happens is you got two big... For people who are willing to travel to nationals or able to travel to nationals, you have two big competitions a year. And for the people who um, can't travel to nationals, they they still get one big competition a year. So I think think it's good. Like, um... Yeah. Like, I don't think it can be as, like, official as nationals as much, like... Maybe you could. Maybe you could bestow, like, regional titles on people. But... And also, I don't... Like, I don't think that those competitions should be date-synced unless they're also scramble-synced. Like, the, like, there's no need to have... There's no need to have them on the same... Like, all on the same day. You go to, like, East Coast Regionals, and that's, like, you know, on one day, and then a few weekends later, you can have, like, I don't know, West Coast Regionals. <laughs> there's... Yeah. I feel like uh, Regionals would be kind of like the whole Primundial deal, you know? Having a big wind-up to uh, Nationals. It's a, I really like the idea, to be honest. It's just, it seems more fun, like, hanging around with people around. Yeah, what like, I thought was area. pretty cool is that we would be able to scout out for venues for nationals. Uh, so every regional competition, obviously, would have its own venue that would need to accommodate yeah. a large number of people. And what better way to start trying to plan for future nationals is than having regional competitions with these venues that will hopefully still like us by the end of our events you know yeah it's, it's also cool. like us <laughs> it's also cool because cubing is so big right now like like at least compared to how it was before like nationals they had to put a cap on how many people could go to nationals last year yeah and i imagine we there would have been another 100 150 people if they hadn't done that so like maybe like three years ago you wouldn't have been able to do regional competitions with lots of people but now when like an ordinary like straight up bass competition is getting yeah. 150 competitors if you slap regionals on that you're you could get even like two three hundred hundred people know. oh my god no, like 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 dead serious <laughs> yeah like oh i totally agree with com- you competitions as large as nationals you know just just because they have they have all the events and honestly like this is this would be a great way to just get 
the U. I mean, okay, this is gonna sound patriotic, but like get the USA, you know, to get more like fast times up there because we'd have like these competitions with every single event and lots of rounds and multiple days, and it would just be an opportunity for lots of people to get like really fast times. All right, so we have um, some listener questions for you. Um, are you ready for these? Yeah. All right. Did you know right away that you wanted to get into blind, or did you try other events first besides three by three? As soon as I found out that blind existed, I knew I wanted to do blind. Dang. Like, <laughs> yeah. Once I found out that it was a real thing that real people did, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> All right. What keeps you motivated to keep running Cubing World? Um, good question. Uh, it's fun. It's more fun than cubing, honestly. Like, I just... It's it's just like I like organizing things. I like um, I like watching the numbers go up. I like it when people say, "Wow, thanks for making this video. It really helped me." Like even if I wasn't the one who made the video, I just feel good about that because it's like, yeah, as, as the person who is kind of the, I'm who, the midwife. Yeah, yeah, you're the, you're the liaison. That's, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Midwife seems a little bit funnier, so Same let's go answer. with midwife. Yeah. So yeah, yeah as I, is the midwife, help of all, people oh. give birth to their video babies. There you go. Exactly. That's your job. Uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Sorry about not giving you any videos this season yet, or trying, uh, but not. It's cool. Don't worry. All right. So then, um, how much are you practicing these days? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Same boat as Noah here. Jeez. Yeah, I, I've got oh. a lot on my plate too. Like. Actually, I'm practicing a little bit this weekend because I have a little bit of free time. But other than that, zero. Yeah, all right. So some more. Um, one was already asked, have you managed to get Felix, Felix's rice pudding recipe yet? Obviously, yeah. we haven't. Yeah. Uh, who, is your, who is your favorite Cuber? Me. You're, you're okay. That's, that's uh, great. Uh, you're also <laughs> my favorite Cuber, Noah. Oh, shit. You know yeah. Thanks. I yeah. think, uh, yeah, I, I think, like, Having you as a favorite cuber is kind of like calling Mitch's mom whenever you get a PB. <laughs> no-brainer. Yeah, saying? yeah. It's it's not only a no-brainer. It, it's just, it's like a standard. It's an un. It doesn't even need to be articulated. It just happens. Sure. If I had to answer someone other than myself, it would be Kit Clement. Oh yeah, I agree yeah. with that. He's an all-around great dude. Yeah. Um. Can your dad do blindfolded yet? Not yet. All right. How was it getting the uh, North American record three by three single? I oh that oh at nationals oh oh, oh let me tell you about that. Okay, so this goes back to like a few days before nationals um, last year, and I was I was chilling on my I was chilling on my horse Jim, and uh, Jim was like just kind of cantering around, and I he stumbled across um, he stumbled across like this little shelter in the ground kind of and he and i so i got off jim and I, I i tied him to a tree nearby and i went into the shelter and um and in there i found several magazines but like not the kind you find in the dentist's office if you know what i mean ah and yes. then, so I found those, and then I was like, okay, cool. And so I leave, I get out of the shelter, and Jim is gone. And I'm like, I totally tied Jim to the tree, and I, but I go over, and it turns out the rope is still there, and I look at the rope, it turns out I didn't tie the knot right. And so I go, I kind of call out for Jim, I walk like, I walk north, like maybe 30 feet, and there's Jim, 
right there next to a different tree. And I'm like, Jim, what's up, dude? And he's just like, <laughs> and um, and then uh, I I climbed on Jim again, and I I rode back home, and um, I told my mom about the incident. I didn't tell her about the magazines because you know she's my yeah. mom. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I told her about the, the the shelter and stuff, and she said, "Oh, that's an old war shelter. It was probably left there by the previous owners." And so then a few days later, we flew to Nationals, and I got the North American Record three by three single. Wow! Wow, the, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a very heartfelt story. Actually, I'm like tearing up over here with the whole Thanks. situation with Jim almost being lost. Yeah, I, I think I just got laid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, next question. You know, you have really wonderful hair. What do you put in your voluminous fro? Oh, I'm I'm pretty basic. I use head and shoulders. Hey, uh, me too, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we can both be basic together. Yeah, straight <laughs> up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in most aspects of my life. I'm not too basic. I I let my hair do its own thing, though. I don't like really restrain it very much. With you know, in any way, um, it it really it. Like, I give it complete credit for my awesomeness uh, and not myself. So my favorite Cuber is now Noah's hair. Yes, there you go. Yes. All right. Noah, what is your favorite event? Uh, Three by three blindfolded. And why? I like it, and I'm good at it. <laughs> there are other events that I like, but I'm not good at those. Like two by two? Like two by No, I hate two by two. <laughs> good try, man. You almost... <laughs> Uh, the old switcheroo. And what are your Cuban goals for 2015? Uh, actually, Cube, work really hard on Cubing World, and run some competitions. Ooh, that last one is a good is, is, is a good thing. Yeah, we're working on one for spring at Stanford. Ooh. Sh- should be Ooh. fun. Alright, so these are listener questions basically for everyone. Uh, first, what world record do you want most? So, Wafo, what do you want most? Uh, I really, really want just... Uh... I would say three by three average. That's it. You know, I, I like three by three. I'm a really plain guy. It's okay. In terms of cubing, it's just really boring. Uh, so you can be basic with the rest of us. Yeah, you know, the Head and Shoulders crew. And Noah, would it be three by three blindfolded? Um, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'll take it. For single or for mean? Uh, either is good. Maybe two by two single also. Um. Just because that would be the funniest thing that ever happened if I got the 2x2 two two single world record. Yeah, well, you're definitely not getting that at Basque anytime soon. Uh, and for me, I honestly, I'd get the most notoriety out of 3x3 three three single, but I wouldn't feel that great about it because I feel like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have worked too hard for it. I, I might say something like square one average eventually because I feel like square one is one of those events where you really have to be great at it in order to excel. Of course, there are some easy scrambles that have come up in competition, but to get a fantastic average requires so much learning that's that's much more abstract than anything else. I think square one average would be really cool to hold. All right, next question. Who's your favorite monarch, past or present? Noah? Uh, me. All right, Wafo? Uh, it would probably be uh, King Pira, Mitch Lane. Okay, uh, and for mine, it would probably be um, Breast. Okay. Great. Right. So, so <laughs> next question. Which world record would you want the least? Noah. Ooh, for me, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, clock. 
happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. For like, you can't happens. even see what's happening. <laughs> like, at least with feet, you can see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I was about to say feet for this question, but now I gotta change it to clock because of that same reason. <laughs> yeah. It's just so like silly. <laughs> like you can't see exactly. Like, like it take like there's plenty of skill involved in clock. It's just yeah. you can't you can't see what's happening. I think mine would be two by two single, like straight up. <laughs> like if I if I were to tie even just tie the two by two single world record, it would be it probably be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> just, just disappointed at the fact that you actually picked up a two by two. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I just like the trolliness of that. Yeah, no, I would. I wouldn't even because I don't own a two by two. I don't know anything for two by two. If I were to get that world record, I'd be like, I completely don't deserve this. Why do I have this? Can I just DNF that self, please? <laughs> just tell them that you got the same scramble as last time, like five years later. <laughs> oh yo, I I'm. I'm moderately down, actually. <laughs> but it's never going to happen because, as I said before, I don't own a 2x2. Two two. It's never going to happen. But, yeah, so that's probably what I'd want the le- least. Or m- maybe, maybe like, Magic and Master Magic because they're not even recognized permanent. anymore. Those are permanent world records. Yeah. it's like, but, uh, but if I held one of those permanent world records, the thing is that they're not even recognized anymore. So it's, like, it'd be the worst thing in the world. Also, like, I don't like Magic or Master Magic. So that's the thing. Um... What would be your reaction, segue, uh, to the news if, of Magic returning if it did return? Yeah, I would start practicing so much for Magic. I would just be, like, kind of pissed, but also not really care. Yeah, I think that if they reinstated it, it would be, it would be like, because they fixed it. That's the only reason why it's removed, really, because it wasn't feasible to judge. But I feel like if they could fix Magic as an event, I'd be alright with it, just not do it. Yeah. I feel like cube stores, the cubicle that US would make so much more money if Magic yeah. was just announced because they're just like everyone needs to buy one again. Yeah, definitely. Like all of my magics are still in pieces. I've broken more tiles than I have strings, which is kind of a shame. <laughs> what? I slammed like the magic down way too hard, and I've broken more tiles. Wow. Um, okay, next question. Why do you think people complain that Moyu releases too many cubes? <laughs> because they like. Because <laughs> they're dumb. <laughs> I don't know, like, like why would anyone ever complain about that? Unless you're like Dion, unless you're like sad little Dion sitting there with your like, with your Zanji, like, please buy me. Or like, or like a Type A, like Alpha, the Alpha Company, or whatever, or Guoja, or whatever the company's called, sitting I mean, there like, be... we're not, we're not even relevant anymore, like zero percent of the time. I don't know, maybe, like, some people feel obligated to, like, buy all of Moyu's cubes, and then they, um, and then they said that they have to buy so many cubes. But nobody know. should feel obligated to just buy cubes unless you're doing, trying, trying to get better at multi. Or if you're, like, trying to stay at the cutting edge of whatever, but you don't have to. Like, I'm using a way long still, like, version one. It's yeah, me soft. too. Yeah. Mine, mine actually traded with Edward Lin. We traded our way longs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's just leave it at that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I tried holding it in so long. It just never. Oh my god. True story okay. though. He was like, "This way long's pretty good," and I tried his. I'm like, "This way long's pretty good too." He's like, "You want to trade?" I'm like, "Sure." Uh, Welcome to the Cubecast. Safe for work for everyone. 
<laughs> All right. So if you were never allowed to compete in, in an event that you've done before, what is your new main event? Noah? Square one. And why would you say that? It's the only one I haven't competed in. Wonderful. Wafo, uh, you, your choices are clock, 3x3 three three blindfolded, 4x4 four four blindfolded, 5x5 five five blindfolded, multi, fewest moves, and feet. Probably be fewest moves. I, I really like the concept behind fewest moves. Dude, I, as somebody who started out with heist, you should definitely do that. Yeah, I think I could probably get like around like 30, 35 on average right now if I try hard enough. <sighs> that would be... <laughs> if I fantastic. try hard enough. It's, it's a matter of just, you know, actually trying i can't sit down for an hour trying to figure out stuff man <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's hard like i tried like looking at this recently actually it's fun i like it all what right how about you oh for me i i've got quite a list uh two by two four by four five by five six by six seven by seven feet four blind five blind mega minx pyraminx and clock uh i uh, four blind yeah four blind because why not and nice. uh, I've done it before, and the others I've done before, or most of the others I've done before and have been absolute crap at. <laughs> um, all right, so this at this point, it's time for Team Blindfolded, starring oh, our no. caller, Noah <laughs> Arthurs. <laughs> Don't do this to me. <laughs> Don't all worry, right. Noah, this isn't all the right. same scramble as last time. Yeah, <laughs> I generated... Hessler for this one. Oh, yeah, I generated the scramble on QQ Timer this about is... an hour ago. Uh, so, yeah, there it is. Um, okay, I'm ready when you are. Yep, same. Okay, so what you're going to do to start solving the cube is uh, a T-perm, and then X2, and then a T-perm. And now we have a slightly different position. Uh, do a U-prime, R-prime, uh, L-prime... Uh, okay, then do like, like wide, wide D. Okay. And then L prime. And then U two, F, U. Okay, and then do an X two. Okay, and then do U prime, R U prime R prime, U prime, L U L prime. U, L prime, U prime, L, uh, U prime, then do F, and then five sexy moves, and then F prime, and then do B, U2, B prime, and then do U2, R, U2, R prime, U, and then R prime F R F prime. Then do F and then a sexy move and then F prime. Then I'm going to do U and then a T perm. Okay, and then U and then I want you to do um uh hmm, what to do now? There are lots of options here, but I think the best option is uh is to do uh, hmm, uh, U two M two U M U M prime U M two. Okay, 
and then U2. M prime U M prime U M prime U M prime. Okay, and then uh, U prime M2, and then M2 U2 M2 U. Oh no, I messed that up. Okay, M2. Okay, and then do Y2. Okay, and then U prime. M U two M U M prime U two M E two S two done two fifty eighty seven and I have all the corners are permuted but with the centers are wrong and two of them are oriented incorrectly. I think I missed something because the entire thing like still looks scrambled to me. <laughs> I tube is in checkerboard. Ah. Oh. Well, then everybody DNF'd. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Great. Noah, for that wonderful Team Blind no experience. Problem. And thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate it. You oh, want to yeah. stick around to uh, listen to the puzzler, or are you nah, busy? I, I, I gotta run. <laughs> Thanks so much, uh, guys. All, all right, right. For sure. Thank, thank you good for one, having man. here. All right. Bye. Bye. See ya. All right. It's that time of the episode, I guess, for our first time doing the puzzler. So, yeah, $5 grand prize. Yeah, the way the puzzler works is that I'm going to say what the puzzler is. It'll also be available on our website because, honestly, this one's long-winded and is you're probably better off just reading it. But if you happen to be the first person to submit a correct answer, you will uh, get a $5 gift card coupon thing to it the cubicle.us. It, it is a gift, gift card? card. It's a gift yes, card? It okay. Gift card, yes. To the cubicle.us. <laughs> and uh, that's awesome because you can get whatever cubes you want and stuff. So, without further ado, here's the puzzler. So, John Johnson is the youngest in a team of eight people involved in bank heists. After a widely successful operation, John and his fellow burglars have raked in a bunch of cash and the team is left with $8 million to distribute amongst itself. The team has agreed to vote on an eight-way split of the money decided by the youngest team member, in our case, John Johnson. If John's proposed split gets a majority vote, then the split stands and the team members get paid according to John's split. However, if a majority of the votes in John's favor is not reached, then the team kills John and the next youngest team member proposes the next split to be voted on. So this process of voting and killing off the youngest team member continues until a proposed split gets a majority of vote. All the team members are hyper-rational, that is to say they have no biases for or against other individuals in the team, and the question for you is, what is the optimal split that John Johnson can propose such that he receives as much money as possible while guaranteeing his life? So, that was very long-winded, and it's uh, a fun problem. I had fun typing it out here and uh, figuring out the answer. If you... <laughs> If you happen to get the right answer and your name is not Robert Yao, then you're <laughs> then you're doing fantastically. Analyze, submit your answers, submit your work with it too if you want. Um, please don't bother we'll, Robert Yao. <laughs> and please don't bother Robert Yao about it because <laughs> because he's got enough to worry about as it is. All right, so I think that wraps up the episode. How about what do you think? Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's been great without Mitch around. Yeah, and so in two weeks, we'll have Mitch again, and our special guest will be Kit Clement, yeah. member of the World Cube Association Regulations Committee, uh, WCA delegate out of Michigan, and will be here for Basque 5. So stay tuned, and until next time, bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks.
Dang.